Greetings, everybody. This is a Travel Addict podcast where you can hear candid stories and discussions about business and adventure travel from around the world with activities such as trekking, diving, camping, driving, cruising, and just plain chilling out somewhere. We talk about lots of experiences in places all over the world, including the grand, the remote, the edgy, the risque, and ones of questionable merit. Education, fulfillment, and wonder enrich our lives. And of all the books in the world, the best stories are found between the pages of a passport. Stay tuned. Hi there, everyone. Malcolm Teasdale here. Today, here, well, not exactly here, the other side of the world, not exactly the other side of the world, far south (laughs) of me. Geographically speaking, it's south of me. Uh, Federica Bresson. Did I say that correctly, Federica? That's right. Yes, yes. In you my know. best, best yeah. Italian accent. Oh, dear. So how are you doing down there? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for greeting me. So you're like my neighbor many, many floors above, right? That's a good way of putting it, I suppose. Towards the North Pole, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Could be. Well, today's technology, I could be in the next room for, uh, or the other side of the world. It doesn't make any difference. But we got a good internet connection here, which is which is really good. So well, um, we we are in the same continent. That's thrilling. Last time we spoke, we uh, weren't. Well, the Americas, yes, indeed, North South. Yeah, that'll work. All right. Well, everyone out there, Federica, she lives in Italy, but she's calling me or speaking from argentina we're going to find out more why on earth she would go to argentina i know why i would go but we'll find out more so federica what is your hometown in italy by the way how do you pronounce mm. it and where is it a uh, good question i don't live in a town you know i live in the middle of the woods i can tell you what the name of the closest town is but that's that's the story, right, about me. And then I came back from New York, and then I just ended up living in the woods. Okay. I mean, there's a there there's a roof over my head. I don't live in the woods, literally, like finding shelter under trees and befriending badgers. There's okay. a roof well, over there my head. There you go. You're living with the wild animal. Just name the little area you live in after yourself. Then why not? The 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 area is called Tusha. The province it is in is the province of Viterbo or Viterbo. The region is called Lazio, and it's the same region where Rome is, because I am one and a half hours drive from Rome. So central Italy, I am somewhere, let's say, between Florence and Rome, closer to Rome. You're north. I'm, I'm trying to think where the ship port is. Is that uh, Civitavecchia? Yes. Yeah, I've always wondered how to pronounce that. Civitavecchia. That's sort of is, is it northwest of Rome, the city, something like that, is it, or west, west? It is. Rome. You can just say north, basically, because the coast almost goes down straight, right? They're both by the coast. Civitavecchia yeah. is a port. It's just north of Rome, just outside of Rome, very close. Okay, how far are you from Florence in Italy? Um, a couple hours drive. Uh, I am literally. 20 minutes drive away from Tuscany, oh, but wow. Florence is sort of in the upper part of Tuscany. So I would first pass Siena, Arezzo, other cities in Tuscany um, popular to visit. Uh, Florence, yeah, a couple of hours drive, but it is true. I have to admit, uh, after living a while in the United States and now being here in Argentina, I have to admit that when somebody, for example, from the United States comes over to Europe and visits Berlin, Rome, Venice, and Paris in a week or in a 10 days, I mean, they're not that wrong because for us Europeans, it's nonsense. It's crazy. How can you visit all those different places in a few days? But distance-wise, they are so close. Exactly. I mean, I am... I, as an Italian, I wouldn't say I'm close to Venice. Uh, sorry, Venice, Florence, or even Venice. That's mm-hmm. another 
couple hours drive. Yeah. But in non-European terms, it's just a stone's throw away from me, literally. So it depends the mindset you have, because sometimes what is close to you, what is not, and how energy it takes for you versus being lazy to go there really depends on how you perceive that distance rather than the actual kilometers. Well, it's true, because uh, I was born and raised in England, and I drove, but to get from uh, point A to point B wasn't long, I should say, in distance, but it took you a while to get there because of the traffic. But I found when I came to live in North America, people just travel long distances, say drive. A couple of people I know here, that they'll drive up to Atlanta or they'll drive to Colorado. We not think twice about it. And that's like two days. It's nuts. I wouldn't do that, but they're used to it. So eh, good, good for them. I'm not. I don't like driving long distances. But where you are in Italy, you could go uh, go to the big three, Venice, Florence, and Rome. They're called the big three, and get public transport. The train system's really good there, isn't it? So It is. It is really good. Yeah. When I first settled there, I was driving south from Brussels in Belgium. And after I got into Italy, I just stopped using the highway. I just used the regular roads because, I don't know, my mindset was out of trying to reach Sicily very far, but wanting to take it easy because I wasn't in a hurry. Mm -hmm. And I realized how in a couple of hours, but less than that, you know, a couple of hours you go from Milan to Venice, Venice to Florence, yeah. the big cities. But in between, you have lots of other minor cities that are not so minor that would be, you know, middle-sized cities that are popular in Italy. And so every hour maximum tops you get to one of those places so i never used the highway in italy and that's how i reached about central italy close to rome and that's when i settled but now that i've lived there for next month it will be two years i would never go to florence driving just because there's something i want to do there just just for fun i was like, oh no it's too far you know but i could i could so my <laughs> oh, mindset <laughs> changed already um, I know. Indeed, I, I, I completely understand what you're saying. That was mindset back in my mindset back in the old country. But here you are. All right. So my question to you is: You live in a beautiful part of Italy, and you decided to take a trip to Argentina. Now, it's not a place where many people would think of going, especially the distance involved. What made that decision for you? Well, there's a short answer and a long answer. I could also say that there may be an answer or not. No, the, the easy answer, like, oh, I came here for work or I have this or that to do here or whatever. There could also not be an answer. And your podcast would be the excellent place for me to express this without fear of not being understood because it's all about traveling. And sometimes you don't need an excuse to travel. You just go. Go because you want to see the place. Yeah. You've never been there. So, um, of course, something made me come. So there has to be a reason, but I don't have an easy answer. Like I came here for a conference or for work. Something else made me come. Well, I can still make it short. It's kind of a big deal. I was never attracted to this place. And I mean, the whole Latin America part of the world, just like I'm not that attracted to other places. You know, you have your favorites and you don't know why, even places you've never been. So you have no basis sure. to say I like it or not. And South America was never, I don't know, in my radar, it never, you know, activated any interest. Other places, lots like North America and the whole of Europe and other places. And um, it is the case that this summer, I was dating someone. And long story short, he is very passionate about South America, uh, came here many times. And through his accounts, something, you know, like a window opened in my mind, like a new possibility opened up in my mind. And I started reading books, watching documentaries or just watching even, you know, the news and television on YouTube, because that's amazing now that you can just immerse yourself a little yeah. bit in other realities like that and i just felt inside of me that i was ready for whatever this continent represented for me which i wasn't sure exactly but i said you know what yeah i'm gonna go there and have a look 
And then I needed a, an excuse to justify this trip to myself, really, not just, you know, I don't have much money to, uh, these days. And so to just say, oh, I'll go like a whim was not justifiable in my, you know, internal court. <laughs> and and so first I kind of found an, um, a project I wanted to do, an artistic project here then that was first confirmed, but then canceled. But at that point, I had the ticket already. And I just came anyway. And I'm just staying in an Airbnb. So I'm completely independent. Yeah. I start because I do have a new book out. While here, uh, I started knocking on different doors to try and promote the book here, especially um, within the Italian community. Lots of Italians here, of course, in Buenos Aires, in Argentina. And so if you ask me, you know, I'm also working. What are you doing there? Well, I'm also working. Uh, it It is also the case that I will, well, give a lecture this Friday in La Plata, close to Buenos Aires. And I have been invited to a very special dinner next Monday with the ambassador of Italy in Argentina. Fantastic. Don't ask me how it happened, but I went straight from living in the woods in the middle of nowhere in central Italy to being here and worrying about what to wear because that's a very formal dinner. Um, I'm very happy I got the invitation. So this trip is, of course, not just... Uh, it, it, I don't vacation. I made this clear in our last interview. I'm sorry, I'll just keep talking for a second. Our last interview was weird because I was telling you about all my traveling but indeed, I was locked up at home. And it didn't feel right that I would speak as a globetrotter, but I would be locked up at home. So I'm very glad that I'm speaking to you from another place in the world now as proof that, first of all, I don't go on vacation. I don't do those things. I don't do one week in one place and just tour around to see the main touristic attractions and and then think that I've seen the place and say, check, you know, no need to go back. And on the other hand, I don't also just go to a place well, just to work, because then I wouldn't see anything else. Uh, this is one of those special ways of traveling. Uh, there are many ways to travel, and I haven't practiced this one many times before, but it's one that I enjoy very much, which is to come here for a month, which is a short time, but it's also not, it's something. There's some time to do some things. Yeah. And I want to expose myself to new things, to try and take the place in, as slow as I can by revisiting the same places a couple of times, by connecting with some locals, with knocking on some doors, because it's not the same by contacting them via email. When you're yep. here, you go there, you establish a connection, but nothing happens instantly. So they will tell you, maybe next week, why don't you come back? We have this and this event or in two weeks, and you can do that because you're there. So I'm making the most of my stay here. I, I know that I didn't really answer your question, um, but Maybe. I came here also because, and this is the last reason I gave myself for coming, for justifying spending all this money, because I have to say that flights uh, went up a lot since COVID and since the war. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What route did you take to get from, presumably you flew out of Rome to, to get to Buenos Aires? There's no direct flight, I don't think, is there? There are, there are direct flights, but I had the layover in Madrid, in Spain. Okay. Uh, only reason because that was the cheapest flight. You have several options and oftentimes you will hear that they advise you to fly through, I mean, via Brazil, but actually flights weren't that much cheaper doing that. So I just let Google kind of help me and I went with the cheapest one that I found some two months before departure. I don't know if you need me to say how much I paid for the flight, but it was a lot because it was, I'm not saying half, but, you know, almost half before war. Oh, I'm not going to, don't worry, Frederick. I'm not going to ask you how much you paid for the flight. But what seat number were you in? No, I'm just joking with you. I mean, I'm just, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's a long flight, though. It's, it's, um, no, this, this, this is the longest flight I've ever taken. It was uh, not a good flight because, of course, I flew with a cheap company 
which I can say if you want or not, this can be practical tips for other travelers. Um, everything went fine. They got, got us to destination alive in one piece. Uh, and they were reasonably polite on board. Reasonably. Uh, what, like, what airline is that, by the way? Air Europe, European Airlines. What is, oh, yeah. What that's, what, that, that's, that's a plane with the outside toilet. I remember that one, yes. Yeah. yeah we have to <laughs> flap your arms. Yeah, there you go. No, actually, no, they're decent. I want to say they're decent. I found them rather expensive considering that the seats when i when i saw them on the flight to from madrid to buenos aires you expect the larger yeah. aircraft and uh they were so tiny that i said this is not gonna work out and of course my seat was squeezed right in the middle you know Ooh, in the middle yeah, yeah, yeah. central air aisle in the middle and it, no no it was horrible um yeah, so that was not good. And they serve you dinner for some reason at almost two in the morning, where everybody departing from Europe is not jet lagged yet. I mean, it's two in the morning. Yeah. And right, people have just started sleeping and they serve dinner. And then you land here at local time about eight in the morning, mm -hmm. but uh, Spanish time, which is still in your body, almost noon. Mm -hmm. And they don't even give you coffee, just not even a drop what? of coffee before getting off the yeah, plane. I, I bought one because I said, you know, I'm going to treat myself with coffee now. I'm going to squander this money because I feel I need. Uh, and then once off the plane, I didn't have pesos yet. I didn't know how to change the money right away instantly. So I said, I might as well have coffee on board so I can pay with my credit card. and Everything works fine. And it was three euros for a disgusting coffee so <laughs> uh, you know that you they charge you for that on the plane on an international flight you're kidding me of course nothing is free Jeez except Christ. i mean get some water if you have to swallow Good pills Lord. no oh, no God. i wasn't happy no i mean they're decent and by the way it's truly not my off the record i can tell you all about my experiences because i do believe that it helps you uh on the record like we are now i actually hate to talk bad things about whatever it is, companies, people, accommodations. But since you ask, and since it's also a fact, isn't it a fact? I mean, that they don't serve coffee, it's a fact. And that I paid the flight an arm and a leg is also a fact. Yeah. And that it would be just a humane thing to do to give people a drop of coffee before they get you off the would plane. I think, yeah. You know, I just flew um, the second world's longest flight from uh, Singapore to Newark, 18 hours, 50 minutes. Right. One flight. One flight, direct flight. <gasps> Eight, sorry, wow. 18, 18 hours, 45 minutes. The actual longest flight is Singapore to JFK, 18 hours, 50 minutes, five minutes longer. But obviously, they're in the name, same neck of the woods. But it's Singapore Airlines, and they're, they're brilliant. Uh, so if you ever fly, get to fly with them, they're just, to me, the best airline in the world. But anyway, that's another story. What uh, Was this your first trip to Argentina, by the way? Yes, I mentioned. I, yeah, I mean, I mentioned that I was never interested in South America, but uh, I had never been. No country like it's a huge place. The whole South America. Oh sure. I had never set foot here, and this is my very first time in South America. First time in Argentina. First time in Buenos Aires, and I am not going to travel to any other uh, city or place right now. Because it, it it's actually the truth that this trip like obliterated my bank account. So I, I'm just here and watching my money for what I eat and everything. It's a bit of a, not what it is. I don't want to call it a sacrifice. It's a little bit of a crazy thing to do. I know I'll be fine because then there's this job and this job. But since COVID, you know, and I don't remember the details I gave you in our previous interview, but I haven't. I have not been working much. I don't have a steady income right now. I do podcasting. I do science yeah. communication, which I love very much. But it's not that just because the COVID restrictions were lifted, Federica Bressan can start being the globetrotter that she was before. Yeah, when exactly. I had some, I had some research money to travel to other universities, labs, conferences, um, which Im implicitly gave me also the excuse to go many times right now if i go it's just it's just me and i actually enjoy it i wanted to work on a new book but unfortunately 
um, I have some jobs to deliver by the end of this month. And so I had to bring that um, job along and I have to spend some days locked up here at home working, which, you know, I can find a balance there, meaning that I can spend half day at home and the rest of the day I go and visit Buenos Aires. Or even if I just go for a walk that day, two hours, yeah. it's very nice to work. And then when you're locked up and you work, you could be anywhere, literally. But it's nice that when you go out, there's Buenos Aires there for you. That is really <laughs> nice. What I'm mad about is that, unfortunately, having to work here kind of took away the mental space that I thought it could give the city. Yeah. And you know what? how you want to read novels that are set here or historical books yeah. about the place. Unfortunately, I'm not immersed like that. I try to talk to people as much as possible. I am a museum animal. I wanted to say hoarder. I mean, I, no, I don't hoard, but I have a list of museums and I just go check, 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 check. I go and try to see them all. I've been to one today. Wednesday is the day where museums are free. There's one day a week when they're free, which they don't tell you. I found out after my second week here, but now I know. So you try to pack more on that day. Um, and, um, well, at least uh, you're yeah. getting out. I, I mean, you're getting out. That's the main thing. I don't mean you're working, but I would think all you need to do is go out one evening, have one of those Argentinian steaks, and you don't need food for three days. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> big, I, I just remember being there, and they served me a steak one night. I said, there's no one else eating with me here. What is this? This is absolutely massive. I, the biggest steak I've ever had. Imagine. I haven't had an asado yet because being alone and – yeah kind of penniless you know i mean on the cheap side i don't go to restaurants i don't go to restaurants to begin with but then i have to admit that going to a restaurant to try asado all by myself kind of sad i'm I'm not into food that much that i would want to try it at the cost of feeling silly for sitting there all by myself so it is the case oh, that by now about I, that. um i did meet uh, a couple of people by now so you know some people to go out with some friends and one of them is going to take me out to eat asado and I love that because then he also knows where to go if it's good or not he can tell me something about it it's a whole different experience than the asado is just you put in your mouth but it's all the rest that you absorb I love that of course well at least you, you went there I know when I first went there I, I didn't think about it at the time because I was living in America at the time but I'm a Brit so I had some dialogue down there with the company I was going to meet. And I sent an email to him. I said, how will I recognize you when I get to the airport if you're going to meet me there? And he said he was six foot two tall. And I think he meant to say, I'll have <coughs> your name on a sheet or a shit. When I say a sheet, S-H-E-E-T, a sheet of paper, or a C-H-I-T, which means a small note. He'll have your name. But what he said, what he did, he wrote on his email, I'll have your name on a shit spelled S-H-I-T. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, just, it was classic. But it wasn't until I was going down there and I thought, wait a minute, I'm a Brit going to Buenos Aires, Argentina, and they're going to realize I'm a Brit when I get there. Is the subject of the Falklands War going to come up? You know? Exactly, and yeah, yeah. So that was in my brain cells before I landed. But after I got there, the subject was never brought up. I'm glad we never got into the discussion about it because it wouldn't have gone anywhere anyway. But it's just uh, that there were d decent people and uh, I was in good company there. But one of the things I did worry there, and a lot long after I left there the first time, that's when the economy crashed and there were riots in the street there. So it was through mm -hmm. a rough time. And right after I left, I didn't cause it, by the way, but it was just that's what that's what happened there. But I was on this podcast uh, about a year and a half ago. It was uh, Graham Brown out of Singapore. He does the XL podcast. Great one, actually. And he asked me this question. One of the first questions he asked me of this interview was, what's one of the be one of the places you've been to that surprised you the most? It's not what you expected. And Argentina was it. R the other one was Russia, by the way. But Argentina was it because it wasn't like I expected it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed it there. But – 
I'm going to say you you're there now, and I'm sure you know with in between work and all the uh, discussions you've had there and whatever you're doing, you you're in, you're enjoying the experience. I'm assuming, right? Oh yes, oh yes, excellent. Oh sí, sí, Malcolm, muchísimo. <laughs> well, excellent. There is a road that goes towards BA Buenos Aires, and it's a, probably the right, widest avenue or road I've ever seen in my life. It's massive, but I can't remember the name of it. It goes into the city. Nueve de Julio, July 9th. Oh, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Where the obelisk is. That's right, yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah, you as a, as a pedestrian, because I'm a pedestrian, so I see it from my viewpoint, to cross it from one side to the other, you cannot do it in one go. You have to do a couple of lanes, and then it's red. Then you have to wait for a green light again and and proceed. Like you cannot do it in one time. It takes way more than a minute to walk through it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Are you staying? You're in an Airbnb. Are you in the city center, basically. Where you can walk yes, around? I'm very central. The location of this Airbnb is excellent. Excellent. Yeah, All that, right. So how did you find that? Just go on the Airbnb website and look it up and uh, look around. You know, yeah, I decided to use Airbnb because it gives you some guarantees because it's all registered. If something goes wrong, you can complain to Airbnb. I didn't know. I didn't know anyone here coming over. And I always travel by myself, as you know by now. And I just didn't want to take a chance. I could have through friends of friends or actually you know if you want to if you want anything and you know how to ask on the facebook you'll find it uh but depends if you can uh, depends what you're looking for and since i was looking for an accommodation for a month for myself by myself because i wanted a place all by myself i didn't want to share like an apartment with other people or have a room in a family or so you want to know that the place actually exists that it's not a scam that it's decent and so if you get there and maybe it doesn't look like in the pictures with airbnb you can complain to them you don't have to start fighting with a local that you know maybe they speak english but a broken english and when you fight then then i don't know I just felt that I would be on the safe side using Airbnb. But having said that, and because we are mostly saying negative things about companies today, I find that the share the Airbnb keeps is uh, too large and the apartment is a ripoff for what it is. The location is stellar. Uh, the apartment is super basic. There are even some trouble, some issues with the toilet or in the kitchen, minor things. Yeah. That I wouldn't bother with, but since I'm paying an arm and a leg, I would expect much more. And it's not a unique case. I was very surprised to go on Airbnb and compare prices. And more or less, this is the price. But now that I'm here and I have confirmation because I asked people, the prices I've seen on Airbnb in euros for an Argentinian living here is just ridiculous it's like two three months salary what i paid here for an argentinian person so wow. obviously these people are targeting foreigners targeting north americans and europeans coming here and i find that dishonest so i'm mm. that's why this this whole trip like obliterated my my bank account i'm i'm talking a total i'm looking at 2500 euros flight accommodation and eating 2500 wow well i'll tell you what well you, you asked but you're there for two months all right so uh, one month one month okay got it there's inflation everywhere in the world though right now but you know that argentina truly has a problem with that it just goes up month by month it's silly we don't have that kind of inflation over in europe anywhere Argentina is this interesting place where things that I've learned by being here, for example, first of all, is really there are some social differences that I've never seen in Europe where everybody complains about the place they come from, or even if they don't complain, they may find social issues, political issues, economical issues, and that's fair because there are problems everywhere. But indeed, the social gap that I've seen between poor and rich, I've never seen in Europe. 
here there are many homeless people, but that's mm-hmm. not even what I want to focus on because you have homeless people in other places. It's that you have entire neighborhoods that basically look like the more famous favelas in Brazil. Yeah. Like, cannot call them homes. And families live there. And the kids are supposed to go to school. And there's lots of crime and violence there. It's really a problem. And, of course, they're segregated. So I've never seen that. And I just drove past with my taxi yeah. on my from the airport to the city center. It's not even safe to be there, of course. And it disturbed me to see that because I had never seen it with my eyes. And I thought I felt for those people so much. And I thought uh, approaching the city center with the skyscrapers, the shining skyscrapers. Yeah. I felt this strong feeling of injustice. And I thought, but we have to do something. How is it possible that those people live like that? I mean, we got to do something, you know. I cannot rest until every brother on this earth has enough to eat and a good roof on their head. And then I realized how little I could do, little to nothing. And then I just realized you you go on with your life. You just yeah. Well, that's that's it. it. You do the best you can. And uh, unfortunately, the number of homelessness, whether it's North America or Europe, has gone up. And um... I, it felt it disturbed me though, because mm-hmm. naive as my desire to do something about it was. Because I could have sounded like, imagine the Little Mermaid's voice, like, how is it possible that people live like that? we got to do something about it. And then you realize there's nothing you can do about it. And unless you go crazy, then you just have to swallow it, put it somewhere in the back of your mind and go on with your life. You know? Yeah, I, I just wonder, uh, this is just uh, going off on a tangent here. They're very passionate about uh, football there or soccer. Obviously, mm-hmm. in uh, Buenos Aires, they have a famous soccer player from uh, there called uh, Diego Maradona, which is another issue between England and Argentina, by the way. The hand of God goal. I don't know if you ever remember that. Uh, no, no. no. It, not, it knocked England out of the World Cup when Diego Maradona hit the ball in the net with his hand. And it, it was, anyway, that's, that's good. We, go back. We can laugh, laugh at that now. But what I saw after going to a soccer game there, between the two local teams, River Plate and uh, Boca Juniors, is that they're so passionate about it. And I bet you, you know, some of those supporters will go to the game and rather do that than not eat. I mean, I think they're just that passionate about it, you know. Yeah. You see the team playing. But uh, it's very edgy, though, uh, going to a game there. The locals took me to one, and uh, they said, Malcolm, do not go by yourself. They said that because... Yeah, I wouldn't come out alive. But I, I went with the locals, and uh, it was it was an experience, you know. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's sad uh, sad to see that. I mean, uh, it's probably obviously you've seen it probably a lot worse than I saw it all those years ago when I went. But that's that's the way the world is right now, I suppose. If you went to any other Latin American countries or South American countries, it's probably not going to be a whole lot different. I don't know. Yeah, a friend who knows South America quite, quite quite well told me that it's a good thing that I started from Buenos Aires because it's the most European of all cities in Latin America. So it's That's a right. soft um, christening, uh, how would you say, you know, uh, a first time in South America that it's a good thing that I came here. Indeed, I mean, I've seen beautiful things. I, I've seen very different neighborhoods, some Truly look like Brussels to me. Of course, you always compare it to what you know, but not like stretching too much. Like it really looked like uh, certain parts of Brussels. Other areas reminded me of Romania or like Italy 50 years ago. Other places, even like Dublin a little bit for some reason. Um, Other places, of course, with the shiny skyscrapers that could be anywhere in a North American city. You know, and then you have this poor areas outside and of course i would want to visit more uh but because we're not in europe more would mean taking a flight and even a flight then takes you point to point you don't see anything that's in between the land you want to do that and it's i don't know for another life for another time for now i decided to just stay in the city for the whole month i'm just going to la plata like i mentioned this friday for a lecture about my book. I mean, a lecture about my book. I present my book and I give a lecture on literature and 
what it means to read and to write today, especially for young people, how to get them into reading a little bit. And, um, and I have two more weeks to go here. And what else did I want to say? Yeah, it, it's interesting because it's important to know some things. Like, it, okay, I don't know. Last time we talked about traveling before the internet or not. Now, the internet has been around for so long that it seems stupid to talk about the before time. The thing is that it also uh, appeared progressively. So, of course, the internet has existed since before I was born. But we didn't have mobile internet it wasn't just a thing. Airbnb didn't exist. So now you would imagine that it's just super easy to do everything. And it probably it is in many ways. Then we could talk about technology and what problems that brings for another hour and a half, since that's also part <laughs> of my expertise and my work. And what I want to say is that there are some practical tips that I got through the internet before coming here that I truly cannot imagine not having. So I'm very thankful to the internet. And that means to the people that I connected with on the internet that shared this information. Um, where I'm going with this is that I don't find prices here to be as low as you would imagine. They would be considering the economical crisis of the, no, or the meet average salary of a person. I find them very, 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 very comparable to what I have seen. In uh, Europe, I don't want to generalize, but to say, you know, Italy, Belgium, what I know, it's pretty comparable. Yeah. And, but the thing is that they have two, there are two exchange rates, the official one and the other one, <laughs> or the blue one. It's called the, the dollar, uh, official dollar, US dollars, dollar and the uh, dollar blue. For some reason it's blue. I don't know why it's called blue. But that would um, be almost half. Really? And, yeah. And every, this is what people tell you. Imagine me not being here yet. You hear that you must not go to the official desk to change your money or to the bank. Or that it's not worth changing the money before you leave. Go into a local bank in Italy to get some pesos. Yeah. You fly over here. And you just walk downtown in this specific road or this other road. And there are people in the two half dollars and euros because the inflation so strong that if you put your money in the bank as an Argentinian, you will lose so much because it's going to be depreciated yeah. every month. So what people do is to try and keep dollars or um, euros especially the big, uh, what do you call, the, the the bills, like at least 100, you know, not change, the large big bill, bills. Large bills, yeah. And they keep them at home, like under the mattress, old school, because that does not depreciate. Right. And when they need to go on vacation or buy something, they will change them on the day, go spend it, and they will not have lost as much money. And you hear these stories, and you're like, are you serious? Like, I'm walking down the street, and I can just ask someone, do you want euros? And say, yeah, you could do that. Or just approach someone who is saying that they change money in the street. And say, that sounds so shady. Of course, it's not legal. How am I going to do that? How do I trust that person? What if they say, come with me in the dark alley? Do I go? Like, how does that work? And now that I'm here, now that I'm here, I can tell you that it is exactly like that. There is this street in Buenos Aires, that's called Florida. And you go there and there are these people in the street. Just in Amsterdam, they will tell you, ashish, ashish, ashish. Here in the street, they say, cambio, 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 euros, dollars, you know. And you can approach one and say how much you want to change. And you will negotiate a little bit on, uh, you know, the rate. But it's it's pretty official because there is even the official newspaper, one, one of Many, but especially one in particular where you look at these things, it's called Clarin. Uh, you go there and you check the value for today of the dollar and of the dollar blue. So it's pretty official and you get your bills. And that's how you change the money right in the street. Because I had a friend living here, he gave me the name of someone in particular. So I texted them from home and I said, oh, hi, I need to change some money. Like, do you do this? <laughs> And they said, okay, I'll come over. We met at the corner 
And indeed, like he exchanged my money. I found him very honest, very efficient, very polite. And I walked away with my stash of banknotes because, of course, like, you know, how inflation works for a one euro bill. I walked away with my pockets full of banknotes, basically of pesos. And uh, and just one other time I needed to change the money. So I said, uh-huh, I'm going to try and text this guy again. It's like my pusher, my money pusher. And I, I called him and I said, hi, I need to change again. And he came again by my house here, uh, right in the corner. We did it again. And I said, you know, I mean, I know it's illegal. It's also extremely common. And Argentina is the place where many things are not uh, let's call them official instead of I- illegal, legal or illegal, but they would not be just common. It would be just the way you do them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's I just wonder whether the authorities uh, know it's illegal. There's a couple of ways to look at this. You're in a foreign land and something's illegal and you do something illegal, you could land up in the clink there for a long period of time, or the fact is the police turn a blind eye to it. You know, I, I don't know. Like, uh, for example, in um, Nepal or Kathmandu, marijuana is illegal. It grows in the hill mountains there, but selling it on the street is illegal. But I think the cops t- turn a blind eye to it because they know it goes on. And uh, so I don't know. It's t- sometimes it's probably not worth taking a chance because you don't know, do you? You know, if you get caught, what that means. And you're a foreigner, so. Uh, what I I know it's a it's a gray zone I don't live in. I I really really tend not to do these things. In this case, uh, I don't know. It's not just oh, but I advise you do this better this way. It just don't go to the bank. Nobody does it. Do it this way. So you kind of try. You see, it feels safe. I mean, I've seen a policeman stand in that street florida just next to the people saying cambio cambio and she wasn't when she was a police woman she wasn't acting on it i thought weird because you know um that's what i mean turning the turning turning the blind eye to it it's really i you know the truth is one thing is true those people change 50 bucks or 100 bucks they don't change thousands. No. So of course they change a hundred buck many times each day. Probably. Yeah. I have no idea how many clients they have. Uh, but it's altogether, you know, not a million dollars business. They don't move that much money. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, stuff like that. You can call it a scam, but it's really not. And obviously, scams are prevalent all over the world now as well. But you know, that's the way people live. Um, so it, it's sad, but it's uh, the world over. Now, while you've been there, a couple of um, things I'm going to ask you if you've done yet. Have you drank a glass of Malbec yet? No. You haven't? That's just, that's the best place for Malbec wines right there. You're in it, right? And uh, ask someone for a Luigi Bosca. Right. I'm sorry, I'm an atypical traveler. You made me sound boring. If you have other, have you done this? Have you done that? Questions. Oh, Federica, it's a glass of wine. That's a, a Malbec. No, but a, people come here to dance, to try and dance the tango, to drink that wine, and to have the asado. And it's not the things that Federica Bressan does when she travels. She may do them, uh, but I breathe in the air. I talk to the people. I just sit. By in the street like Dickens, you know, in Dublin, and try to see the world go by, the faces of the people. This is why I travel, not a glass of wine. I know. Well, you, you always got to learn the, the culture you're in. But, you know, we, we've known each other for some time. And, uh, you know, I've seen you do cartwheels on the TV, on the, on the computer, right? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, did you dance a tango yet? No, 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 not here. Because again, I'm I'm by myself. But I was so crazy about Argentina that back home I wanted to start tango classes, and I did a test uh, class one evening, and I thought it wasn't really for me. I said, you know what? Mm. Yeah, basically everybody was there just to try out and then decide whether they wanted to continue yeah. or not for the year. And I guess it was 
we were even about six women, six men, and the teacher and his partner dancing together. And the thing is that I, I wouldn't have my own partner. I didn't bring a boyfriend or no. anything. So I thought, okay, they'll match me up with someone for the entire year, just in case. But no, you swap continually. Every five minutes, you change partner. And tango is a little bit of an intimate dance. So I do know that people dance with different people at the milongas, etc. But to me, to me, it it feels very intimate to dance with someone. Well, and I cannot right change so, partner like that. Yeah, I cannot change partner like that. So I, I danced with the six men that evening, like every other woman, because we were switching all the time, plus the teacher. Yeah. I can tell you a funny story, which is the best dancer of them all was the partner of the teacher. So the woman, the woman, when she's very good as a teacher, she can do some basic steps of the man. Yeah. And so she danced with me in the male, in the male part. And she was the best man I've danced with, the woman. <laughs> uh, but I decided not to keep going because I said, you know, of the six, of the, first of all, I don't like to change men all the time for dancing and in life either. Uh, but me, none of them was anything that I wish to dance again with. <laughs> so I said, you know, maybe if one was really sexy, maybe I could, you know, uh, what do you say? Keep strong and dance with the other five, just waiting for my turn to dance with the one. But none of the six were anything I would want to dance with again. And so I, <laughs> I said, no, no tango for me this year. No, I haven't tried. I have watched tango here, though. It is a bit complicated. But if I was with you in Buenos Aires today, I would uh, do the tango with you, Federica. But the problem is that we'd probably be asked to leave the country right after it. Not because of you, Why? but for me, I've got two left feet, so I, I would not be doing, uh, doing that. <laughs> uh, I have watched Tango, and I fell in love with an Indian chief. And what I have done is I have, um, I how do I say this in English, you know? Well, I had some special places that I have learned about through songs or stories. And so I gave myself emotions by going to those places and visit them. Like first time I went to Hollywood, you know, those kinds of things or the Madison Square Garden in New York where I had seen on videotape on VHS, my favorite uh, concerts. And then suddenly I was there at the Madison Square Garden. And so here in Buenos Aires, you know, I live just around the corner from Arenales and not too far away from Cajao which is both both streets are mentioned in the Balada para un Loco. So it's very special for me. And there is another song, special, special, special song that's called Con la Frente Marchita by Joaquin Sabina, then mentions San Telmo, no? and of course, in Rio de la Plata. And so I've been to the San Telmo neighborhood, which is famous. You would go there anyway. But I went with a song in mind and to be there at the market, and then to see, actually, the story is that I was in the market. And at some point, I spotted someone who looked native. Uh, yeah, what you call them? <laughs> someone called them Indians, but he was mistaken, right? Well, uh, like, like, like this beautiful, beautiful faces they have, which you don't see much, I have to say, in the city. You don't see other skin colors other than white. Buenos Aires is pretty, pretty, pretty much like Brussels, you know, whiter possibly. And so I spot this person who is just slightly darker and just have the features of an Indian chief, tall, wonderful. I, 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 he stood out to me and I, you know, without wanting to be seen, I, I was staring and I try to steal a couple of pictures just to remember the, the the person. And sure enough, five minutes later, I walked to another part of this square, um, Plaza de Rego. And he picks up a microphone and he's the host of a tango show right there in the square. <laughs> and like many, many people gather around. It was a big thing. 
And he had this nice poster behind him saying the Feira de San Telmo and a couple of bailarinas, dancers, another male dancer. And he would dance and demonstrate folk dances, you know. So I thought, what? Oh, my God. And I Googled him. And sure enough, it's kind of a thing. They've had their show for a long time. It's the Indio that dances tango. And I said, oh, my God. I was hypnotized hypnotized i took more pictures and then when it was time to you know give the money because they collect the money with a hat you know i was very happy to give a generous tip for the show i had seen because it was the tango the dancing and they were fantastic yeah they were truly fantastic and on top of that i couldn't get my eyes off this indian chief and I started dreaming, you know, like in some novel, because I did read a novel like this, but I forgot the title, was this white woman that got kidnapped by an Indian chief and spent the rest of her life, you know, doing, pleasing him in his village somewhere in the mountains. Very, very romantic and absolutely irrealistic, <laughs> but, you know. And what I love about traveling by myself is that you can lose yourself in such reveries for hours on end. Yeah. Almost like you pretend they're real. And if you're sensitive enough and receptive enough and your reverie is informed by actual facts, actual people, historical facts and places, I think that what you can bring home is a little bit of a, of an authentic impression of the spirit of the place it's more oh, than exactly. going there seeing it go home it you're there and you truly you you try to you're always yourself of course that goes without saying but i don't know the the mechanism in how it happens but you try to forget about your identity as much as possible you try to be transparent to be nobody that's what i love about traveling by yourself because when you're with someone and if it's the right person it can be fantastic of course but you're commenting on things all the time have you seen this oh what do you think about that and you bring too much of yourself with you when you do that i like to not think not comment and I like to be just a vase receiving things. I really try to suspend judgment to not have even those automatic thoughts. I just absorb, absorb. I watch. I don't judge. I absorb. I watch. I may, I don't sit a long time. I have to say, I just walk, but I may walk slowly. And so do the equivalent of Dickens standing on the street corner, just observing the world go by. Yeah. Well, it's all educational at the end of the day. That's why we travel. You're a brave lady, uh, Federica, because you do you travel alone. Um, I, I suggest most most of the time, but to, uh, for you to actually take off and go to Argentina, probably not that many people would do it. Um, I don't know if you're classed as a digital nomad, where you're, you're sort of working on the road, but at least you're doing it, and you've got that um, adventurous spirit in you, which is uh, fantastic. And uh, I think the more you do it, the more you'll want to do it as well. So this won't be your last uh, trip, obviously. I, I bet when you leave, finally leave Buenos Aires, you'll be th thinking, God, I, I need to get back on the road again soon. And uh, that's, 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 right. that, that, that's the way it is. I mean, uh, you're there for a little bit longer. Now, I should have mentioned this up front because you got a PhD. So really it's Dr. Federica Bresson, right? So I, and, for you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's the, that's your right title. So forgive me for missing that out at the beginning there. And you've got this book, um, you've recently released. Um, you want to tell me about that or tell everyone about that? Yeah. It doesn't make sense that I show it to you on screen because this sure, is just audio, is. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, you're seeing the cover of the yeah. book i'm showing it to you on screen um which i i love the cover too i like the object i think it turned out really nice uh it's a novel um it it was published in three languages so the original title would be in italian nel cuore della tuscia but it's also in english in the heart of tuscia and in netherlands in dutch in hart van tuscia and tuscia is precisely the region uh, the territory where I live now in Italy, when I'm in Italy and not in Buenos Aires. And um, uh, it's not a long read. It's a light read. 
And um, it's a novel indeed. Uh, the narrator's voice is that of a woman who recently moved to Tusha, um, just like the author. Imagine that. What a coincidence. And, um, and the story is, uh, the story is about her getting to know the territory through the eyes and in the company of a man that she meets that obviously is uh, originally from there and knows the territory really well. And so he takes her to different places and each chapter is called like a different place. And so the book traces like a sort of itinerary along which they grow closer. Although at the end, you know, it's not clear what happens. So I don't, I don't give the story away, but I just want to say it's not that they get married and live happily ever after. She, I wouldn't say she's troubled at all, but like everybody else, she has some questions about her life. She questions life itself. And through the experiences that she goes through, uh, mainly visiting the territory and bonding with the men, she finds some answers. So she grows. This man expands her horizon. So all of this, just to avoid saying that it's a love story, because it would be uh, reductive. You know, if you say it's a love story, people expect a whole different kind of book. But yeah. there is love. Actually, it's so authentic, the love that I talk about in this novel, that it's the kind of love that awakens your soul, makes you grow, actually transforms you. The sentence is not in the book. It's just what I truly believe, that if love is anything, it is a transformative force yeah. in the universe. So it's that kind of love that we have in this book. And therefore, it's not about the kisses and even the affection that they have for each other. It's all about how someone you meet, even if it's someone that won't stay in your life forever, it's someone that comes and then goes, can change you. And when things don't go very well towards the end, again, we don't know how the story ends but there is a sort of trajectory upward and then starting to go downwards. It is a bit sad, but the main feeling that she says she has is gratitude. Gratitude. For, well, how do you pronounce the name of that book? Nel cuore della Tusha, or in the heart of Tusha. Tusha. Okay. Got it. Now, uh, this is going to be in all the, all the bookstores, right? Amazon and wherever, Barnes and Noble or wherever. Yeah, it is everywhere. I have to say that the ebook is, uh, up, besides cheap, it's below three dollars. You get it instantly and has color pictures in it. Uh, we are in the process of publish. I mean, printing um, paper copy, hard copy of the English and Dutch languages too. Uh, but I cannot tell you that it's easy to ship to the United States. We're looking into that. We're looking into the services that may make that, you know, worth it because it's uh, it's always possible, but then it gets very expensive. So I this is what happens with small publishers. And I love my publisher. We get along very well. It's just a matter of size. Okay. We're not, you know, penguin. Uh, so the distribution is a little bit of an issue. And I'm the first author that has a book in multiple languages and really yeah. pushes it. So it is available. If you don't mind reading on a tablet or computer, for example, I don't, I read on tablet a lot. Ebook is your solution. Okay. Instant and cheap. Uh, otherwise, you know, just reach out and contact me. We'll find a way. You know, I'll come visit you. With <laughs> you right. can excuse the trap. Can you imagine that? Buying a book and the author travels to your home to deliver it to you <laughs> what a good idea it is another challenge for you make an audio book of that oh there is one of course just do it I, I, it's, it's challenging but you're very well spoken and it would it would be a, a, a fabulous thing to do it's not a very large book you know it's not like three million pages long which would take you if you record an audio book will probably take you two years but that is worth definitely doing an audio book. I've done one audio book, uh, but it was the smallest book I ever wrote. It took me a while. It's challenging, 
But it is. Yeah, it is. It, um, it, it's worth it. And then, then you load it up onto ACX, which is an Amazon company. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that will, uh, I'm, I'm sure, will uh, be quite popular. I don't popular. know. You know. You're right, because on the international market, audiobooks are big, are big. In Italy, when I first proposed the audiobook, people were like, we don't even sell ebooks. Like, we're, we're really behind, really behind. And I did record the Italian and the English, which took a couple of days, because then I redid it again. Yep. I listened to it again. I'm not a pro in that business. I think I'm decent, but I, I did it again, slower, faster. And then it's done. I actually have it in both languages, not Dutch because my pronunciation is ridiculous. Um, English and Italian I do have, but I had to fix minor things here and there. And I never got myself to do that because I didn't have the heart to go back and listen to myself once again. I would be too critical. I would want to redo the whole thing again. So actually I have the in, in integral, the whole thing recorded sitting there it's not available online yet but you can you edit it no problem. but but you know with any book um that's printed there you're going to see a typo you're going to see sort of uh dubious grammar it it happens it gets published you know and uh it's, it's the way it is so you know if it's an audio book well you know that's fine you'll be just rec- reading it off and into a microphone and that'll be it you know add some drama mm-hmm. to it you'll be in good shape all right. Well, that that's good. Glad you did that. Then you'll be doing another one, which is good also. Um, back to travel. You yes. get home from Argentina. You're going to be sitting at home, and there'll come a time when you said, i got to get out of town again. Got anything lined up or anything you're thinking about? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, because of the book, which is an excellent excuse to travel, I'm going to go to Belgium. I've lived there for five years, so I don't expect to see – anything new. I expect to see lots of friends, lots of places that stayed in my heart. And I'm going there to present the book in a couple of places, Brussels and Ghent, and mostly in Italian, but also in Dutch. And and I look forward to that. Uh, I'll stay there for about 10 days. Okay, cool. Uh, as far as South America, I may, you know, okay, let me say this. Before COVID, I was traveling like crazy. It was always on the road, but I had some more money because I had a salary and because I could also travel for work. And so I would be Monday, Tuesday in DC, Wednesday, Thursday, Paris, and then Amsterdam. It would be crazy on the road, literally on the road Mm -hmm. all the time. Now, if I don't have to, you know, spend an arm and a leg on a flight, I could go from Italy to some place in Europe or North Africa where the flights are, I don't know, a couple of hundred bucks, not more, and spend the money for one month in an Airbnb there. You know, that would be the main cost, the accommodation, but it's still feasible. Say Greece, you know, you don't have to be in Athens and maybe you're going low season or so. So you get to stay for much cheaper than this trip here for one month in that location. This is not the style style of traveling that I had before, but it's something I may want to do again because I, you know, if I had to work, I would have commitments, um, not for a whole month in the same place. That's why I was moving all the time. Yep. But now that I, let me say, don't work <laughs> or work, I do if, whatever work I do, I can do from anywhere, literally. Yeah. Then I can go and stay in a place for one month, which gives you the opportunity not to just, okay, I've seen it, check, but to see it and see it again and see it again the next day. And now the person that sells, you know, the croissant for breakfast down here knows me. And actually, they asked me, do you live here now? Because she was seeing me like for three, oh, four yeah. times, days in a row. And now I know her, you know, you know, to live there a little bit, just for a month. So I may do that again. I don't have a plan on doing that, but I should do that closer to home so say europe or something as far as south america goes um for the things that i'm learning seeing here hearing breathing i think that if i come back and i would like that one day hoping that flight costs go down one day in 10 years i don't know i would like to go to cusco and lima 
I mean, not that I wouldn't want to see other places. Yeah, but let's go with next- Lima. Lima's a, a neat city, actually. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of places, great places to go to down there. They're all they've all got their own history and character and personality, right? So, there's a lot to see. I maybe Dan where you are, probably next, possibly next March, because I'll get on a cruise ship from a place south of Buenos Aires, it begins with you, you Shia, just for an um, Antarctica cruise, which, I'm, I, you know, I do talking on cruise ships. So I may be one that just sails around that area. Hopefully it goes to the Falkland Islands as well. Uh, so mm. you just have to see it. Uh, Looking for trouble. I, I'm thinking, of, uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so that may be a possibility, but, you know, we'll see. I have to wait to see, but uh, um I've got. Uh, I know your your website and all that, so that'll be posted once we get this online. And yes. uh, congratulations on the book. Congratulations on getting out of town and going to that place. By the way, I admire your travels, uh, Federica. It's an excellent thing to do. Um, so uh, you got many years ahead of doing the same thing, right? In traveling and learning about how the rest of the world works, right? Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, good for you. Anything else you want to add, what we've talked about? Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to talk to you from Argentina because literally last time I felt a little bit of an imposter to tell you all about my travels sitting in one place and not intending to move. So I'm glad. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I realized by doing this trip specifically what it truly means to have a traveling style. Mm-hmm. Like I just explained, the the month versus moving all the time versus different types of things. And this is like a blueprint I may replicate. And of course, thank you for letting me talk about my book a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I think it's a great idea to spend a length of time in a place because you learn more about the culture and you you want to fit right in the longer you stay in a place. Yeah, I may be guilty this. of staying I... in a place a little bit too short a time, mm. but that that's what I do or have done. So It's your style. It's your style. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Just pay a visit. And well, well, when I was working, I'd just go from meetings down there and get out of town. That was it. But mm-hmm. had time to mix with the locals, and it's all, all a fulfilling experience. So you've got a lot more to do. Well, I'm going to travel a lot more as well over the next years, as long as I I do it until I cannot do it anymore, because it's a, a wonderful thing to do, right? Yeah. I don't want to stay at home and just look at the news. It's all depressing, you know. It's time to get out of town. And it was, in fact, 12 months ago, almost to the day I was in Kiev in the Ukraine, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, so I was just looking at some old pictures today, but uh, brought back memories. But anyway, Federica, good to talk to you again. And, Thank uh, you. And safe travels back home when that Thank time you. arrives. And uh, I'll see you online sometime or whatever or uh, – yeah, post a couple Speaking more pictures. From, from some other corner of the world. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So keep yeah, in touch. Yeah, how nice. You know, keep, here we have Federica from the North Pole again. Here we have Federica from Thailand again another time. <laughs> oh, yeah. we got to do it. But, uh, yeah, keep in touch. So, um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your time there. Hope the uh, meetings uh, next week go uh, just fine for you. And uh, safe trip home, and uh, we'll be in touch. Okay? Muchas gracias, señor. Muchas gracias, senorita. Is that right? Oh yes, senorita. There is hope oh, but, for me. But for you, but for you, it's um, Doctor Federica Brisan. No, <laughs> no, Doctor Doctor Brisan. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wonderful. All right. See you later. Take Bye. Care. Many thanks for joining me today. This is Malcolm Teasdale signing off. Before I do, please check out my website, MalcolmJTeasdale.com, for more information about my travels around the world. Okay, folks, talk to you later. Bye for now. Stay safe.